guys. Welcome to Dream Team 415's podcast. This is an important episode because it is the final podcast we'll be making. I have enjoyed making podcasts every week because they help me get a deeper understanding of all the materials. This week, we focus on language and immigration. We all did a little research about immigration in the Champaign-Urbana area. I'll let Margie start us off with the first question. So for my first question, um, what research did you guys find about immigration in the Urbana-Champaign area, and how do you think this shapes children in this area? Um, So for the fourth question on the activity guide um, with uh, immigration in the Champaign-Urbana area, I found that about 12% of the Champaign County specifically um, the population is immigrants, with a third of foreign-born residents living below the federal poverty line. Um, And I found an article that talked about, like, how after conducting surveys, like, directed towards immigrants in the area, community leaders um, were discussing how to support immigrants further. So things like providing linguistic and educational support, especially for parents with students growing up in Champaign that, you know, were learning English, um, which definitely affects how these students function in relation to their uh, native language and, um, you know, with their parents as immigrants. Um, and, and they also consider other things like naturalization services and removing healthcare barriers. Um, but as for how immigration has shaped the children in the area, um, definitely for children of immigrants, um, I think that the services could have an impact on them improving um, how they are able to, you know, go to school, how their parents are able to um, get involved with the community. Um, and generally, just overall, like increasing services can um help how these students uh are more acclimated to english speaking environments but also are supported in development of their native language you'll have to excuse my voice cuz i kind of lost it over the weekend but um the research that i found about the champaign urbana community was how there's been this rapid rise in the immigrant population over the past decade in the area And there's definitely been some revealed weaknesses in the systems um, that exist to meet the needs of Champaign County's diverse community. Um, Recently, there there have been plans launched based on survey responses conducted from organizations that work with immigrants all over the area. Um, They've newly introduced this welcoming. It's called the Welcoming Plan, and it aims to provide better support for language and education that is crucially important for immigrant individuals' network, enfranchisement, rights, stability, and sense of belonging. Um, To help address the challenges immigrant families face, the program recommends increasing access to naturalization services and immigrant legal assistance in developing immigrants as advocates and leaders. This is something constantly being discussed in the process of gaining citizenship and um, I also kind of talked about how often the process of getting citizenship is very lengthy and costly of a a process, 
and it it's all just to become legal in the country. So there's lots of hoops that you often have to jump through that you wouldn't have to otherwise having the privilege of being a natural born citizen in the United States like most of us do. Similar to the activity guide, what ways have you guys seen schools be oppressive to immigrants and students of color? And what do you think that we could do as future educators that would help change or prevent this? Um, I don't know if I've personally seen schools being oppressive to immigrants or students of color. Um, Maybe it was because sometimes these things happen more behind closed doors. Um, But, you know, of course, I've seen in the media and and heard stories um, like how we were talking about earlier with the policing of students. I mentioned um, policing of black and brown students, um, things like hairstyles, um, how schools tell black students that they can't wear dreadlocks because it's, you know, inappropriate or unprofessional or distracting to other students. Like, that's definitely one of the you know, day-to-day life things that schools make very difficult for some students of color. Um, But as future educators, I think advocating for the students and, I don't know, making the classroom a welcoming environment um, and just supporting them um, in in their normal everyday activities um, and also trying to be involved in and supportive in their home lives as well, getting to know what's going on um, and trying to consider, you know, outside of school uh, practices and the things that they could be going through. Something that stands out to me a lot, um, I remember last semester, one of the classes that I took, um, we talked about the importance of protecting undocumented um, students' identities and um, their peace and ultimately they're making schools a safe haven for them um, because school is not a place where you come to get deported for a minor infraction or something petty like that. Um, Thank God, personally, I have never seen that happen at any of the schools I attended in high school, I know that we were very protective of the students that we had that were DACA. Um, And the only thing that I can really say is that I think that police presence in general can be very intimidating. And that's a relationship that needs to be worked on between um, the schools, the school system and the students by building that mentorship instead of instilling fear into students um, where they feel that they have to fear potentially being deported by their school's administration or police officers or resource officers. Um, I think, again, that's exactly how future educators can help change that is by building relationships and having certain policies in place where they... um, kids can feel safe coming to school even if they are undocumented or whatever their family situation may be because that a lot of the times can be completely out of their control or they not even know themselves so I think that's definitely one way that 
um, educators can kind of start thinking about how to make schools more of a, a safe a safe place, a safe haven. to know um, which of the student podcasts from the NPR special resonated with or stood out to you the most, and then what did you learn from it, or what were your thoughts on it? Um, I listened to the My Mother, My Hero podcast, um, particularly because I was interested to see how like the students' family lives were you know, intertwined with their education. Um, and it was interesting to see how the students described like particularly with mothers like being women in the countries that they left. Um, they they talked about the hardships there and then how their mothers made sacrifices, you know, against gender roles and discrimination to give their children a better life. Um, and even though these are difficult topics, I think it's really important to see how these students um, you know, are transitioning to school in the U.S. and hearing how, you know, things at home might be different and that it gives you a little bit of a window into what they're dealing with outside of school and then that way teachers can be more understanding when it comes to academic difficulties and, and factor in the personal issues that the students may be facing. Yeah, Cameron, I'd say that the podcast that uh, the student podcast that stuck out to me the most was probably uh, FAMO's podcast. Uh, For a little background, she was the one who was born uh, in a camp in Kenya and her podcast stood out to me pretty much immediately because she started it by saying, I'm not a rapist, a drug dealer, and I'm not here to steal anyone's job. And that kind of struck me because I was immediately like just kind of like disappointed in our society that she had the need to like say that um like especially like in the world we live in like that's a lot of misconstru like constructions about like immigrants and immigrants families and I think it's so disappointing that there are people who like think that she's here to in our country to do malintent and like that's just not true that's so far from the truth and I just, it kind of resonated me and stuck with me because, like, she kind of, like, said or, or, like, tried to disprove what was going on in the back of people's minds. Not, like, everyone's minds, but, like, people who have those misconstructions, she immediately kind of called them out for it. And I was immediately, like, applaud, like, I wanted to applaud her for it. But at the same time, I was so disappointed that she felt the need, like, she had to clarify that. So, yeah. So I really enjoyed listening to all of the podcasts from the NPR special. I thought that they were all very powerful with the messages that they had. Um, But the first one in particular was really powerful to me. Um, The way that selfish Americans demonize hardworking immigrants who have come to this country to make better lives for their children and families I just think that it's it can be really disgusting um, what some privileged white people spit about immigrants who, like uh, many of the podcasts mentioned, go through life-changing challenges that are almost always extremely dangerous circumstances. Um, this is why we really need protection of immigrant DACA and DREAM families uh, slash children. 
We need protection from our very own hateful neighbors who reside in the U.S. scot-free of discrimination and bigoted perspectives. And um, the Trump administration is one that heavily encouraged and normalized the talk around immigrants who cleaned his toilet or cut his grass. Like, come on now. (laughs) Um, Immigrants deserve so much more recognition and respect, bottom line, than that. These people risk their lives to live in America. So where supposedly um, freedom and opportunities are granted to anyone who enters the country. So I wanted to look at quotes in particular from the immigrant populations and sanctuary schools reading, um, because, you know, we've been trying to, like, through the activity guides, pick out quotes, um, particularly for our zines, but, um, you know, just as a good practice for academic writing in general. Um, so were there any quotes that stood out to you or, um, and why, or like, what did they make you consider? Um, one that I wanted to talk about that I wrote down was, um, from page 525 and it says, schools unfortunately have played an unseemly role in this colonization and have used literacy partly because of its catalytic power to do this work. Um, and I just think that really summed up how schools have, you know, played a part in perpetuating either white supremacy or colonization or or those, those mindsets. Um, so, you know, even things like the historic struggles, um, in court cases like Lau vs. Nichols or, you know, students, um, in states like Arizona were required to only learn in English despite um, not understanding the language yet, which we saw, you know, had detrimental effects on not only the students, but also the schools. So it was really just a good quote to summarize um, the roles that schools played um, in colonization and, and how that affected students of different backgrounds. Yeah, Cameron. Um, I think that for that reading on the second page, they were talking about how after 9-11, ICE was created and it changed how people could enter and exit the country. And they did this because they wanted to avoid like another terrorist attack, like similar to 9-11. And I don't think that it was handled correctly. That quote stood out to me just because one of my friends and I were actually talking pretty recently. And he was talking to me about how when he was like, younger he his family moved out of america back to japan because um of like all of the like negative people like negative attention simply because they were in a minority and i remember them talking about like a variety of like racist things that happened to them or a variety of things that people had said that was just straight up cruel like straight up mean and just straight up like racist like they these people responded to people who had literally lived in America their entire life, like, friends and family, like, turned their back on them simply because of their minority. And so, I don't know, like, that kind of made me consider a lot, like, when you implement something like ICE or if you implement something like that, there is going to be backlash because people are, like, they're, they're, they instill fear. Like, we have this as a safety precaution because it could happen and people get scared. So that made me think a lot. And that's one thing that made me, like, consider. 
A quote that really stood out to me was, I believe it was in the first paragraph, and it started off the article really, really strong. Um, They kind of said that schools have never been unilaterally safe spaces for immigrant children, period. Um, They kind of go into talking about how the threat of deportation and relocation of immigrant families have always been um, a political discussion used to incite fear and power structures sometimes within these educational systems. Um, I also kind of started thinking about how DACA students often have to fear potential deportation if schools give up their status to ICE for minor infractions, which there have been cases of in the past um, in the media and stuff like that. I think that often, too, immigrant children face stresses that school faculty might not always understand. And um, I really like how they kind of talk about, like, how these kids go through huge life changes, including being removed from their childhood home, their culture, their friends and family, um, and that many times undocumented students face major stress from these fear of family member deportations or from the financial struggles that um, derives from the stress and fear of potentially um, being outed to ICE, which is already an extremely unstable and unnecessary um, political structure that we have in law enforcement. When we read about schools becoming sanctuary spaces for their students and immigrant populations in sanctuary schools, it made me think about the increasing police presence in schools. What kind of school environment are these authority figures who are used to incite fear in students when they are misbehaving, like ICE or SROs perpetuating, or just your thoughts in general? Yeah, this is an interesting topic. So things like law enforcement in schools. Um, When these, you know, supposedly, um, you know, protective services are put in place for students who are often targeted by these services, um, they don't feel protected. Instead, they feel more in danger. Um, And, you know, like policing of black and brown students has been an issue even in things like hairstyles or clothing but you know when an officer who you assume is not there to protect you is in your school you know that just makes you feel less safe like they're it creates almost like a hierarchy of oh i know that this person is here to protect certain groups of people but not me um so i'm 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 definitely not supportive of um police presence in schools um i know in my high school we had we had one or two officers that would be in the school on a regular basis and even i was not comfortable with that even though you know they are meant to protect but yeah that's that's definitely an interesting point that you brought up jill that's a really good question i would say like I kind of thought about my own schooling and, like, how that went for me, and I know that we did have a police presence in, like, high school, like, a strong, or, like, kind of, like, a strong one. We had security guards everywhere, 
and um we did have like a few police officers who were just kind of like assigned to like watching cameras i think it's a little bit different than obviously the authority figures who are like ice or anything like that but it did make me think and i think that having that in like like having specifically like ice like in elementary schools and in high schools like that's terrifying especially in like the elementary school level like i think that's something that's super scarring and something that could definitely have an effect on like kids long term even in like high school like doing that like especially to high school students i think that's dangerous for like every single party involved like it's dangerous for the parents it's dangerous for the kids it's dangerous for other students it's dangerous for the teachers and i don't think that's the environment that anyone would want to create but it did make me think about like sanctuary spaces and I guess like it kind of makes me ponder if police are really welcome in there. I think they should be um, because obviously safety is a concern, but I don't think they should be in that way. After listening to the Coming to America, our best student podcasts about immigration in your own thoughts, why is immigrant status diversity in the classroom imperative? know if I would really consider immigrant status diversity in the classroom necessarily imperative um, but it is definitely beneficial and can open the door for important conversations uh, not only among students but you know between staff on how to best cater to these students um, but I don't know if I would say it's imperative because, you know, for some communities, that's just not the demographic. Um, however, of, of schools where this is possible, I think it's a great learning opportunity. Um, but also it provides students who are immigrants to be in a safe place and, you know, be involved in hopefully what is a supportive community where they can develop, um, you know, and also share their points of view with, with other students. Yeah, um, I think immigrant status diversity in the classroom is super, super crucial. Um, first off, like, something that's really disappointing is a lot of the misconceptions that are, like, about... Um, immigrants and what people believe and so I think that having like a status diversity like it is imperative just because I feel like it gives students especially other students like a level of understanding and a level of learning and I think that those are really important in the classroom and so I think that <clears throat> that um just like in general um, immigrant status diversity, like, it gives students an opportunity to learn about other students and be more accepting and for other students to be more understanding. And I think that overall, in the long run, like, that's something that's going to help students understand more. It's going to help, um, like, I don't know, like, create a level of inclusion that I think that a lot of things are lacking. So, yeah.
thank you guys for listening. What a great conversation. And thank you to Jill, Margie, and Cameron. I loved hearing everyone's experiences and perspectives. As sad as it is to say, I think this about wraps it up. Goodbye.